Another in the fire, man, what a great worship song. There's another in the fire, you're never alone. Jesus is with you and we're with you too. That's just who we are as a church. We are for you and God is for you. Thanks for jumping on and joining our online location. Have these been meaningful to you? I hope they have been. I hope this has been an encouragement to your heart and a help for your journey. We're jumping into another talk in our How to Be Victors series. We're wrapping up just the last part of Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to jump to Nehemiah chapter 1 and uh, Luke 2. So grab your Bibles or turn your apps on. Be ready to follow along. Take some notes. And we're just excited that you're here. Uh, Let's pray before we get started. Dear God, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to gather together uh, online and to worship you. I just pray that amidst all the distractions, and sometimes the distractions can be plentiful, that we'd be able to catch what you have for us this morning. We expect you to be, do big things. We're looking to you to break through all of the stuff that is going on in our lives and show us more of who you are. That's what we need. We don't need more of us. We just need more of you. So would you help us to turn our attention to you in these moments? Help us not to miss what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I was driving past a sign, a church sign. By the way, church signs can be quite hysterical if you just read them every time you drive by them. But I was was driving by one church sign the other day, and it said, church is closed, pray. And it caught my attention for a couple of number of reasons. One, because churches never closed. Church isn't a building that you attend on Sunday morning. Church is something that can't be stopped. It's something that you can't shut down. We have never been shut down or closed. Church is people. It's you. It's me. It's a movement of God's kids making a difference in their world by being salt and light. And in some ways, we have never been better at being church than we have been these last few weeks. So the sign caught my attention because one, I'm like, nah, man, I don't know, church doesn't close around here. You, you, don't, you don't close us down. We, don't, we, we can't even reopen because we've never been shut down. You get what I'm saying? And the second thing hit me, pray. And I thought, man, that's right on. Well, I couldn't agree with the first part of that sign. The second one hit me square between the eyes, Pray. Because it's, it's not always my first go-to. It's not always my first move. And I don't know why it's overlooked. In preparation for this message, I thought, man, why am I going to do another talk, even though I haven't done one in a while, on prayer? That's not flashy or inspiring. I don't, I don't see people like getting all pumped up at home doing another talk about prayer. And then I thought, why is it that it is not, why is it that it's often overlooked? Why is it that prayer is something that we look at something, oh, we also do that before bedtime or before a meal, maybe, if we're not hangry and starving? Like, why is it something that, I don't know, maybe it's because it's not some big flashy, inspiring message or some really powerful clip that you could snip out and push all over the place to get people all fired up or pumped up. But you know what? Sometimes in life... It's not, the, it's not the flashy stuff that makes the biggest difference. It's the simple stuff. It's the easy stuff that we overlook. 
That's the really important stuff. And if I just look at our marriages or our workplace, it's easy to see how that, how that works. It's the simple I'm sorry's that carry the biggest weight, that make the biggest change in our relationships. It's the simple acts of faithfulness, just showing up and being there for people that are your friends or your coworkers, that makes the biggest difference in their lives and your relationships. It's taking time to communicate the things that often can be left unsaid because of pride or selfishness or even busyness. It's those simple things. They're not flashy, but they make the biggest difference in life. It's the simple things in every area of our lives that, that makes the biggest difference, that, that turns into the longest lasting change. And it's that way with prayer too. It may be a simple thing that's overlooked. It may not be a flashy thing to put on the internet. It's some motivational clip. But it is the simple act that can equal the biggest change in your life. No wonder in Ephesians at the end of chapter 6 when he is, Paul is talking about all of the things of armor that we should put on as Christians. He gets to the end of that passage and he, he ends it with this. He just talked through all of the, the, the pieces of armor that we talked about the last two weeks. And he comes to the end of all of that and he says this. He says, and pray. You just put on all that gear. You just took up all the stuff you need to fight with. Now pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That's a lot of alls in there. It's like Paul's saying, man, you got all this stuff on, but don't forget what sustains you, what gets you through it, what you got to keep doing all the time for all the people, what you got to keep doing in all the circumstances of your life, what you got to keep doing in and out of the fights, before the battles and during the battles and after the battles, what you got to keep doing is pray. So be alert and pray all the time for all the people, whatever it means, however long it takes. Don't forget to pray. Maybe you've been wrestling with all of this gear we've been talking about lately and you've been putting it on. You've been working on holding up the shield of faith and saying, no, I'm not going to believe those lies. I'm going to believe Jesus. Maybe you've been working on picking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And maybe you've been putting on the helmet of salvation or the breastplate of righteousness to keep you protected. Maybe you've been making choices about how to live that don't put you at risk but make you stronger don't forget that underneath it all, on top of it all, we need to cover everything with prayer. I think maybe one of the reasons why we don't view it as such a flashy, important thing, or maybe some of the reasons why it gets passed over, overlooked, or just stuck in these little time slots in our lives, in certain routines or rituals, I think maybe it's because we don't really know how to, how to pray. We, we don't know how we should pray or what we should pray about. And sometimes, if we're being really transparent, maybe it feels even a little bit awkward praying. And Nehemiah was this guy in Nehemiah chapter 1. He was a cupbearer for a king. The people of Israel had been exiled. And as they were allowed to go back to their nation, they found it in ruin. 
Jerusalem was in ruin. Nehemiah had remained serving King Xerxes as a cupbearer. But he gets a visitor in Nehemiah chapter 1. It says that while he's serving and people are going back, he gets a visitor from the old land, from Israel. And it was some of his relatives. Uh, One of his brothers, he came from Judah with some other men. And he questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile in Jerusalem. And they said to me, they, to, to Nehemiah, those who survived the exile are back in the province and in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. I mean, the report here is terrible news. Like, it's not good. You're glad you're asking. People have gone back. It's a mess. Kind of like right now. People are getting back to normal. Some people aren't. Some people are going for it. Some people aren't. Some people are, have one view of one thing. Some people have another view of one thing. It's a big, it's a big mess. Here he gets a report from these people back in Israel. Like, the city's in ruin, man. Like, it's a disaster. It's not going good. The walls are burned down. It's a mess. People are in despair. They're, they're panicking. They're, they're crying. They're, they're mourning the loss of stuff. It's not hard to imagine circumstances like that right now, is it? Upon hearing this news, it says he, he records this. Nehemiah records this in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 4. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God in heaven. Here's how to pray. Make it your first priority when things start to go south, when you're dealing with the mess in life, when when you find out about somebody who's betrayed you, when you're struggling with the decisions of others, when you don't know what to turn, when you look around in your life and you see all of these little areas that seem to be falling apart, make it your first priority because your first priority always has your first attention. Just decide, I'm not going to first out. I'm not going to first out to to Facebook in a rant. I'm not just going to call my friends right away when I get the bad news. I'm not going to call and try to manipulate or turn the situation in my favor. I'm not just going to go scroll the news a thousand times to find a thousand different articles that all defend how I feel and make me feel justified for feeling that way. I'm not going to turn to the news. I'm not going to make your decision be the first place you turn is to prayer. So impresses me about Nehemiah as he is devastated by this news, crushing blow to life. He's mourning the loss of everything that had been, and his first decision is to just pray about it. See, that's what prayer is. It's not a religious ritual. I, I know sometimes we treat it like that, saying the same words over and over again, the same way, not really feeling it, not really meaning it. Prayer's not just religious routine. It's not just what you do before bed. It's not giving your grocery list of needs to God. It's not just trying to order up whatever it is you want to order up from the heavenly realms. It's not just, it's not just that. You see, how to pray is make it your first priority and realize it's a connection between your heart and God's. It's a connection that we so desperately need. 
Nehemiah, he records this prayer in chapter 1, and we don't have time to read all of it right now, but you could go check it out later. It's a great prayer to, to, to kind of review. In the beginning part, in the, first, in, in the first three verses, five through eight, he's just talking to God and, and, and saying who he believes God to be and who God is and just calling on him, acknowledging God for who he is, and then confessing his own sins and the sins of his people before God. It's almost like a cleaning of the slate. Like, I remember, I remember, God, who you are. I remember that you are good and that you love us, and I just got some stuff I got to get off my chest. I've screwed some things up. We've, we've made some bad decisions. We walked away from you knowing that you are good and that you have our best interest. It's this it's this acknowledgement of God and this confession of our own failures. It's so real. And, and that's the first. I've got three things here in this prayer for us to practice in our own prayers. The first part is just be real. Be real about where you're at with God and who you see Him to be. Be real about where you are with you and confess the things that you've messed up. Talk to him about the things that you're wrestling with and that you have going on in your heart. He comes out and he's so real. He even says, we've acted very wickedly towards you. We've not obeyed your commands. But then in verse 8, it takes another turn because he says, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if, if you are unfaithful, I'll scatter you. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. They're your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and mighty hand. In the second part, Nehemiah's he's just being, being dependent. If the first part is just getting real with God, the second part has to be admitting and understanding our own dependence on God. Like, God, you have to keep your promises and your word to us because if not, we're undone. Uh, you have, I need you to be the one I can depend on and lean on for this. I can't do it myself. A dependence. He goes on and he asks for help. That's the third part. And we often skip the other parts and just go right to the help list. Lord, be attentive to this prayer of your servant. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of the king. You see, he was so dependent and real and asking for help, and it's just a raw conversation connecting his heart and what he's going through with God, and it changes things. You see, prayer changes things, and sometimes it changes our circumstances. But all the time, it changes us. Nehemiah would leave that conversation and go and stand before a king, and though he was afraid, he would have the wisdom and the confidence and the courage to ask the king for help in this situation in returning to Israel to, to build the walls of Jerusalem up. And he was so moved by this King Xerxes that he gave Nehemiah the letters he needed, the supplies he needed, everything he needed and released him from his service with his protection to go back and build the wall. It was an amazing view of God acting on Nehemiah's behalf, moving and giving Nehemiah what he really needed, courage, wisdom, and confidence. My guess is that's the stuff you need right now. Courage, wisdom, 
confidence. See, when I look at the mess of life and I just run around to, from news articles to, to social media to hear what everybody else has to say about it, and as I watch the, the arguments break out and the debates break out and I'm filled with this tension and this chaos and my spirit is unsettled within me, what I want for today and tomorrow is wisdom and confidence and courage to do what is right. And that's what prayer does. So I need to make it my first priority and decide. It's the place I'm going to turn first. Prayer, it changes things. Mostly it changes us. And it's what we need. You know, for the, for the distracted, prayer can give you focus. If you've been wrestling with being a control freak, just trying to manage everything and control everything because somehow it makes you feel more secure or safe or comforted. For the control freak, prayer can give you release and freedom from the never-ending cycle of your mind. For the busy, prayer gives us pause and gives us that pause so that we can see clearly what God's doing and what we're doing. For the loud, the ones who never shut up and who always have an opinion, prayer provides us with the quietness that can remind us that what we say isn't always the most important thing. For the loner, prayer gives us connection and reminds us that there's nothing that we should walk alone and we don't have to walk anything alone. For the insecure, prayer is the thing that gives us confidence. For those struggling with weakness, prayer is the thing that gives you courage and strength. I don't know what you're wrestling with, but I know what you need. And what you need, despite all of those things we put on and take up to fight the battles we fight, to claim the victory that God has for us, I mean, really what we need is what happens to our hearts when we pray. Sometimes it looks like saying a prayer Jesus taught. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And really feeling the words and meaning it. Sometimes prayer is what we do before we go to bed as we reflect on the day and ask God to, to move on our behalf and to protect the people we love and try to end our day focusing on who he is. Sometimes prayer is what we do before meals. Although, honestly, growing up in a pastor's home, that's the one I want to skip most of the time because let's just get to eat. Are you thankful? I'm thankful. Good. Time to eat. Sometimes prayer is what we do in, before meals, though, because it reminds us that everything we have is from God that, and asking for His blessing in our lives. Sometimes prayer is what we do when we cry out from our souls in distress or anger or brokenness, as David recorded in the Psalms time and time and time again. It looks like, where are you, God? Or why do I have to deal with this, God? Or my heart is breaking, God. Sometimes it looks like crying out. Sometimes prayer looks like just sitting silently. It's my favorite kind of prayer. Not saying anything. You all know I talk too much anyway. And just listening for his voice, like Elijah in the caves 
after running away in fear, just listening for the gentle whisper of God and settling our minds and our hearts before Him. You see, there's no special words. There's no, there's no routine. Prayer is about connecting your heart with God. It's about getting real with Him. It's about, it's about admitting our dependence upon Him and practicing our dependence on Him. It's about asking for His help and intervention in our lives so that we could claim the victories He has for us at work and in our homes and in our relationships and in our marriages and in our friendships and in our churches. You see, prayer can look like a bunch of different things, and what's most important is that you just start praying however it feels comfortable and meaningful to you, to a God who is for you and who loves you and who wants good things for His children. We pray, as it said in Ephesians 16, 18, we pray to the Father, we pray through Jesus and what He has done for us, He is our advocate and we pray in the Spirit. And Romans 8, 26 says, The Spirit helps us in our own weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit intercedes for us. God's got you. Just start practicing the act of prayer all the time, for all the things, for all the people, everywhere you go. Give thanks always. Pray without ceasing. And this you accomplish the will of God. Luke in, in Jesus in Luke chapter 18 was talking about prayer to the disciples. We're going to just end with this right now because this is a powerful punctuation to the whole thing. Jesus told his disciples to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Here's, here's a takeaway. Write this down in your notes. Always pray, don't give up. Always pray, don't give up. He was teaching them that, and he told them this parable. He said, there's a certain town, there was a judge. He didn't fear God. He didn't even care about people. That's how much of a loser this judge was. It's my words, not, not Jesus' words. And he says, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the same plea over and over again. Give me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get their justice and quickly quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Your prayer is an expression of the faith you hold dear. Pray always and don't give up. This widow was expert level kid pest mode. You're living with some of these expert level asking kids, right? Like they just over and over and over again, they'll ask you to play Xbox. They'll ask you for the ice cream. They'll ask you to skip their homework over and over and over again until finally you're like, I can't like do it anymore. They win because they have been persistent. They, they, I give up. They get what they want because I just can't have the same conversation anymore. That's how we're supposed to pray. Expert level 
persistence of the children who just keep coming to the one who can give them what they want and need. God loves you. He's patient and he has the best for you. Keep praying and don't give up. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and give thanks. Make it your first choice this week as you're dealing with difficult circumstances as people start to annoy you. Decide right now that this week when, when things get messy, my first priority, my first turn is going to be toward God in prayer. And once I've done that, then I'll get my feet to walk in and doing whatever I need to do, however I need to do it. But the first place I stop, the first place I pause, the first place I just shut up and listen, the first place I seek help, the first place I admit my dependence, the first place I just get real is with my Father in heaven who loves me. Pray over everything all the time for everyone and that with the shield and the helmet and the sword with all of the the armor that god gives us you will claim victory the victories he has for you in every part of life let's pray god would thank you that victory is yours that we're just supposed to prepare the horse for victory. That we can do that by putting on all these pieces of armor in Ephesians chapter 6. But as we put those on and as we try to live in such a way that strengthens us instead of makes us vulnerable, help us never to forget that you are our first turn in prayer. Some of us, we haven't been doing that because we feel weird or we don't know what to say or we're not sure if we're doing it right. Would you encourage us that it's just about connecting our heart with you? getting real with you, depending upon you, and seeking your help and guidance. In Jesus' name, amen.